Welcome to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I'm your host, Isaac Wolf. A few injury updates to start off the show. Aaron Gordon is out four to six weeks with an ankle sprain. That is huge for the Magic. That's a huge blow. Who They've already lost Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac for the season, both with torn ACLs. And now, losing Gordon, Vucevic and Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier are going to have to do the heavy lifting for them as they try to stay in the play-in, even the play-in tournament picture. They're right, right now, they're outside of that, I believe, in the Eastern Conference. Myers Leonard had shoulder surgery for the Heat. He's the Heat center, and he is out for the rest of the season. Two games I want to quickly recap before I get to the main things for today. Celtics-Lakers. This was a great game. Great performances on both sides. Jason Tatum, 30 points, 9 rebounds. Jalen Brown, 28 points. No one else on the Celtics had more than 14. But LeBron, 21, 7, and 7. Anthony Davis, 27 points, 14 rebounds. They made winning plays. The Lakers made winning plays. They got the winning stop on Kemba Walker. Box out made the putback tough for Daniel Tice. Here's my problem with how that last play went down for the Celtics. They had a timeout. They, first of all, they made a great defensive play to get the ball out of Anthony Davis's hands. They scrambled for it. They ended up getting the ball. They had a timeout. There was somewhere around 12 seconds left. But instead, they were just... There was no organization to the play. They were just running around. And Jason Tatum was on the opposite end of the floor. Like, yeah, he was playing defense when AD had the ball, but he didn't even, he was their hottest guy, and he didn't even get down to the offensive side of the court. Kemba Walker just ran around, took a step back from the mid range, which is not a bad shot, but they, it certainly could have been better. They could have called timeout, drew up a play, or even just brought Tatum down and had Tatum do the ISO. It, I just, it was a very head scratching combination of no timeout and no Tatum for the Celtics, but anyway, Wizards-Nets, this game had a crazy ending, the Nets were up five after a pair of Kyrie Irving free throws with 12 seconds left, 146 to 141, but then Bradley Beal hit a three, 146-144, Nets still in the lead, they can't possibly blow this, right, they get the inbound, two free throws, game's over, no, Joe Harris throws the inbound to Russell Westbrook, (laughs) Actually, he throws it to Garrison Matthews, who passes it to Russell Westbrook. Westbrook gets the three, and all of a sudden, the Wizards are up by 147 to 146. The Nets can't convert on the other end. Wizards get two more points. Final score, 149-146. Wizards win after being down five with 12 seconds left. Russell Westbrook, his best game of the season, 41 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. Bradley Beal, 37 points. The Wizards win for the first time in 20 days. They had lost four in a row coming into that game. They are still near the bottom of the East. I believe they're 14th at 5 and 13. I'll tell you my stance on the Bradley Beal situation in a bit. But now, let's look at some rookies and how they've started their careers. Anthony Edwards, the number one overall pick, averaging 13.6 points per game, three rebounds, almost two assists. Solid numbers. Obviously not up to par with the level of expectation that that comes with being the number one pick, but he's learning. He's shooting the ball just all right. About 37% from the field, 33% from three. Only three games this season, however, he's failed to hit double digits. He's been pretty consistent. He's coming off the bench, which is not a bad idea. It gives him uh, the chance to sort of lead the second unit, specifically offensively. 
And I think you give him a year or two. If his shot improves, you'll have a pretty good trio of Towns, Russell, and Edwards. If they stay, because stars are traded all the time now, you really can't guarantee that anyone is going to stay put in this league anymore. We just saw James Harden get traded. He was the one consistency. He had been in Houston for eight years while everyone else switched teams until just a few weeks ago. And now he's in Brooklyn, so... But yeah, give Edward some time, and he could be really, really good. He just needs to become a more efficient scorer, I think. Take better shots, I guess is what I'm trying to say. James Wiseman, the number two overall pick, averaging 12.2 points per game, six rebounds. Definitely in the Rookie of the Year conversation. His impact on both ends of the floor is apparent early on. Blocking shots and running the floor, two things he's doing very well. He is NBA-ready size-wise, which is rare for bigs these days. Usually, they're pretty thin. They need to add weight, but he's 7 foot, 240. His frame is impressive for a rookie, and it's it's paying dividends. When he gets out in transition, that's when teams have to worry about him the most. His shot and release are a little awkward-looking, you could say. He's shooting 50% from the field, a bit subpar for a guy his size. 40% from three, but that's a small sample size as well. He only averages one attempt per game. So I don't think that's too much of a concern right now. The shot will get better with time. LaMelo Ball, the number three overall pick, averaging 12.7 points, nearly six rebounds and six assists per game. Probably the favorite for Rookie of the Year at this point. I think if the season ended today, I think he'd be voted Rookie of the Year. Nightly triple-double threat won't do it with 20-plus points like he did in or like because he's not the scorer he was in high school when he dropped what 92 in a game as a freshman although we did see him drop 27 a few games ago he is shooting better than i expected 42 percent from the field 32 percent from three those aren't great numbers for a point guard but it's a lot better than i thought he would. i thought he'd be in like the 30s and 20s but he is proving to be a great passer like we thought he would be coming out of the draft and he's rebounding the ball really well for a guard now he is six seven so he's got size he gives him an advantage over smaller guards but He's really clicking with Miles Bridges off the bench. Both are coming off the bench. They come in at the same time, often as a six-man duo, sixth and seventh man. But Ball was the best pick for Charlotte to make, specifically for Miles, because he can fly. And LaMelo is great at throwing lobs. Their chemistry is growing quickly, and they've made a lot of highlight plays early on in the season. Like last night, Ball dropped behind the back pass. Bridges did a windmill on the fast break. It was pretty sick. Tyrese Halliburton, the 12th pick, averaging 11.2 points per game. Almost four rebounds and about five and a half assists per game. He's in the conversation for Rookie of the Year as well. He's proving a lot of people wrong by showing his jump shot does in fact translate to the next level. It's an unorthodox form, but he's shooting 42% from three. His playmaking is looking good as well. He's been a bright spot in an average start to the season for Sacramento. Peyton Pritchard, pick 26th overall in the draft. He is looking like the steal of the draft so far. He's played big minutes and has delivered for the Celtics early this season. The averages won't blow you away. 7.7 points, 2 rebounds, and just over 2.5 assists per game. But he's he's had some nice games. 23 points against the Raptors, 16 against Orlando, 13 against the Pacers. Had the game-winning putback against the Heat on national TV. He's been a surprising impact player for the Celtics. Now their COVID issues kind of bumped him up into that role early on in the season, but a four-year senior coming out of college, played in plenty of big games at Oregon. He's got experience. He knows what to do. He's a very smart and tough player, and that's why I think college is still a great option because it gives you that experience. Staying off four years, that basketball knowledge, it gives you playing at a high level, often in really competitive big games, 
at the college level. You know, guys like Cassius Winston just got his first NBA bucket, scored eight points the other night for the Wizards. Jalen Brunson, those point guards that played at a high level collegiately for four years, left a winning mark on their program. Those guys know how to win, and despite their lack of athleticism, maybe, they make winning plays and can always make an impact at the next level. Killian Hayes, the number seven overall pick, out. He's going to be out for about the next eight weeks, possibly more with a torn hip labrum. It seems as if the Pistons have messed up the draft again because they could have and should have taken Tyrese Halliburton, who's in the conversation for Rookie of the Year right now. But instead, they went with the international prospect. And now, he's likely not going to be as great as the Pistons thought he could be coming out of the draft. And I know it's early. I know it's really early. But the last time someone had a similar issue with this kind of injury was Isaiah Thomas. Had an incredible season for the Celtics. 28 points per game, king of the fourth quarter, all that. He injures his hip, and he is out of the league now. He was... There has been talk about a comeback for him, but that has been talked about for like the last two years. I really don't buy it. Now, his size could have something to do with that. Thomas is 5'9", Hayes is 6'5", so maybe that could affect how he recovers. I'm not a medical expert. I have no idea. I really don't know what exactly will happen to him. But it doesn't look good right now. He was only putting up four points per game as a starter anyway, so. The guy picked right after him, Obi Toppin, at number eight. has played 12 games so far. Technically, he played one minute in a 13th. We're not counting that. Had a calf strain that kept him out a few weeks. Only 12 minutes per game, so he's playing about a quarter every game. And there's not a great amount of film for us to evaluate him on, but 12 points in 17 minutes against Boston. Currently a career high. Also the only game he's uh, hit double digits so far. Nine points in his NBA debut, just three of 12 from the field. In fact, everything he made was from behind the arc. Three of seven from there, oh of five on two-point shots. He's underperforming right now. Don't say I didn't warn you. Still getting used to the NBA game, averaging 4.6 points per game. Hopefully he'll figure it out, but hey, the Knicks are winning, at least more than usual, so that's good. Credit to Julius Randle. He's playing like an all-star this year. They're 10-13, and ninth in the East. They're in the play-in right now. That would certainly be an incredible surprise considering where this franchise has been since Carmelo left, really since 1973. But anyway, his teammate Emmanuel quickly has been balling for New York. 25th overall pick out of Kentucky. Yeah, I know a lot of people are talking about his former college teammate, Tyrese Maxey. Look, he had one game where he popped off for 39 when the Sixers had seven players, and he basically had to. Other than that, like a three or four game streak of double-digit scoring games, but I haven't been blown away by him at all. But quickly, 12.4 points per game, has multiple 25-point games already, had 31 in another game. He's scoring the ball with ease somewhat efficiently, like he's getting a lot of shots. 41% from the field, 36% from three. He's been impressive. Cole Anthony, he's worth mentioning simply because he hit a game-winning buzzer beater against the T-Wolves a few, like a week or two ago. But he's also playing well, besides clutching up for the Magic. With Markel Fultz tearing his ACL and being done for the season, that opened the starting point, point guard role for Anthony. A role he stepped into and performed well in, 11 points per game. I think he's outperformed his draft slot. He was picked 15th overall. I thought he could have and should have gone in the lottery. His athleticism and scoring ability at the point guard position is off the charts for a rookie. So those are a few of the rookies who have caught my eye for about the first month of the season and how their careers have gone so far. When we come back, we'll talk about the new look Nets, how the trio of KD, Kyrie, and Harden is looking. Bradley Beal's situation in Washington, and the first returns of All-Star fan voting. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I am your host, Isaac Wolf. Let's talk about the new look Nets and the overpowered, let's just say, trio of KD, Kyrie, and James Harden. They did look shaky right after the trade. Specifically, when Kyrie came back, they lost back-to-back games to the Cavs. To the Cavs in their first two games as a trio when Colin Sexton went off for 42 in the first game, 25 in the next. But overall, they're 8-3 and three in their last 12 games. The only losses being those to Cleveland and the fluke to Washington. Two four-game winning streaks in that stretch. They put up 147 points on the Thunder in James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Jeff Green's return to Oklahoma City. If there were fans there, that would have been interesting, seeing Harden, KD, and Green together on the on the opposing team. And then beating you by 22 when your team scores 125 points. But overall, this team has looked pretty, pretty good. This has looked like a solid move for the Nets. I'll say it looks like a good move. It hasn't been great because the fit still isn't perfect, but it's better than solid. It's a good move. They're working it out, but the fit also doesn't have to be perfect either because each of those guys are so talented individually that they don't have to work perfectly together to win win games. They almost guaranteedly will put up 20 a night, all three of them, and if one doesn't, the other will likely make up the difference. That's 60 points a night and likely more from just three guys. Each are unguardable in their own way. Durant is so long, he can just rise and fire over anybody, and his jump shot is pure. Harden, possibly the greatest isolation player of all time, can't guard the step back, and Kyrie has the greatest handles and finishing ability of all time, maybe. I mean, these are three unbelievably hard players to guard, and when it comes to late-game situations, you're fine, if you're the Nets, with any of them taking the last shot. It creates problems for the defense when they don't know who to cover and stop in the last possessions, and frankly, they couldn't if they tried. In their game against the Bucks, the Nets were down one. Harden had the ball, missed a three, they got the offensive rebound, and KD hit a three. What do you do about that? It is rare that all of them will miss shots in the final minutes. There was one time when KD and Kyrie both missed potential game winners before Harden got there. That's unlikely to happen again, in my opinion. But this was still a good move by the Nets because bringing in a player of James Harden's caliber, no matter what the situation is, is almost always a plus. It has to be. He's that good. This team, I believe, will continue to play better and better throughout the course of the season and make a finals run. They're still my pick to get to the finals and face the Lakers come playoff time. Now with the addition of James Harden, I think it's possible that they beat the Lakers. I think they could be title favorites. Could be. All right. The first returns of all-star fan voting came back today. Let's look at the West to start with guards and front court. Those are the two uh, categories. LeBron leads everyone in the West with 2.2 million votes. Curry's right behind him at 2.1. So for guards, Curry is first. 2.1 million votes behind him. Luka Doncic, Damian Lillard, Ja Morant. Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, CJ McCollum, who has a broken foot and is out, I believe, a month. Shea Gilgis Alexander and Clay Thompson. How about that? Clay Thompson is top 10 in all-star voting right now for the Western Conference guards. For the front court, LeBron, of course, number one. Jokic, my MVP pick right now, at least at this point in the season, he's been the MVP. It's between him and Embiid. We could have that debate some other time, but I think Jokic is the MVP right now. LeBron, Jokic, Kawhi, Anthony Davis, Paul George, Zion Williamson is sixth. Andrew Andrew Wiggins is seventh? 
I did not look at this in great detail apparently before I recorded this. Andrew Wiggins is seventh in Western Conference front court voting for the All-Star game? What? He's got more votes than Christian Wood and Brandon Ingram. Oh my. What? Anyway, Wiggins is seventh with 264,000 votes. Christian Wood is eighth. Brandon Ingram's ninth. And tenth is Carmelo because, you know, everyone loves Carmelo. They like his comeback story. That makes sense. But Andrew Wiggins is seventh in the front court in the Western Conference. That is quite head scratching. Anyway, in the East, for the guards, Bradley Beal, who was snubbed last year, finally. Finally, he's getting recognition because he's averaging 35 points on a terrible team. Anyway, 1.2 million votes. He leads all guards in the Eastern Conference. Bradley Beal does. Two and three. Kyrie Irving and James Harden are neck and neck at two and three. Followed by Jalen Brown, Zach Levine, Trey Young, Colin Sexton, Derek Rose. How about Derek Rose? Number eight in the East. Above Russell Westbrook and Ben Simmons. I think a lot of people just like D. Rose. It's a similar situation with Carmelo Anthony, Derek Rose being eighth in Eastern Conference guard voting. In the front court for the East, Kevin Durant is the overall, I I don't know if you want to call it winner right now. He has the highest vote total of anybody. He's got more than LeBron, 2.3 million. Then he's followed by Giannis with 1.7 million, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, DeMontis Sabonis, Julius Randle, Gordon Hayward, and Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant is 10th in Eastern Conference front court voting. That's a pretty good list. I'd say, I mean, obviously Derrick Rose is probably not an all-star. Other than that, it's pretty good in the East. In the West, Andrew Wiggins being 7th is very head-scratching. But anyway, that was that was surprising. I will say that was surprising. But those are your first returns of the All-Star Fan Voting. The All-Star Game is happening this year. I believe March 7th is the date in Atlanta. This is going to happen in Atlanta. I have not heard if the dunk contest and three-point contest are confirmed. I believe they're trying to do it all in one night just, you know, to limit stuff with COVID and all that. But the All-Star Game, the All-Star Game itself is for sure happening. So we are, in fact, voting for something otherwise if we just voted for all-stars that didn't get to play in the all-star game what's the point anyway let's talk about bradley beal he's averaging 34 almost 35 points per game almost 35 points per game that's james harden level the wizards are 5 and 13 they've lost 10 straight games that he has scored 40 or more points in 10 straight games where he has scored 40 or more including a 60 point game in a loss against the sixers This is a problem. Bradley Beal needs to force his way out of Washington by the trade deadline. I don't think the Wizards can dig themselves out of the hole they're in right now. Their defense is historically bad. They can't guard anybody. They allow a league-worst 121 points per game. They're second-to-last in defensive efficiency. It doesn't matter that you have Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal when your defense is that bad. This is a waste of Bradley Beal's prime. You drafted and developed him, put him alongside John Wall, who couldn't stay healthy. Actually, you know, that was good for him because Bradley became the main offensive option for two years and has, you know, grown into the player he is today because of Wall's injury, I could, I would argue. But now that Wall's gone, 
and Westbrook is clearly not working. You need to move on from him. You're not making the playoffs at this point, I don't think. Mainly this argument is for Beal and his benefit. The Wizards won't benefit either way because, you know, trades in the NBA are not equal these days. The Rockets literally got Victor Oladipo for James Harden, and they're looking to trade him already! Anyway, Beal could benefit if he goes to L.A., Philly, Dallas, really anywhere. <laughs> Besides Washington is an upgrade in New York. I think the Knicks, I think we're in a conversation. I hope Bradley Beal gets traded. I don't I, I mean, I want to see him in another uniform winning games. Unfortunately, the Wizards seem determined to keep Beal. Coach Scott Brooks said Tommy Shepard, the GM, should block all 29 other GM's phones when asked about the Bradley Beal trade situation. They are not interested in dealing him. The weirdest part of this situation is Beal hasn't asked for a trade yet. And it sounds like he wants to stay in Washington, even though he's visibly upset in every loss. You can find screenshots from almost every game this year. They're showing Beal's stats. He's got 35, 40, 60, and he's sitting on the bench because they're getting blown out by 20. With a very upset look on his face, sometimes it's straight up mad, other times it's disappointed. I mean, he looks miserable. When they lose, which is a lot, I can't believe he doesn't want out and hasn't publicly declared it. I get loyalty and stuff, but he has every right to declare a trade. They suck. He's a great player. Going to be an all-star starter this year on one of the NBA's worst teams record-wise. This is just a waste of a prime, and it's sad to see free Bradley Beal. I hope he's out of Washington by the trade deadline at 3 p.m. on March 25th, although it's not looking like that's going to happen. To wrap up today, this day in NBA history, in 1993, Larry Bird's number 33 was retired by the Boston Celtics. Happy birthday to Malik Monk, and we will be back soon with another podcast.